So, yeah, we're in seasons. Our uh, seasons change from uh, fall to winter. Many people probably have really enjoyed their Thanksgiving. And uh, now going into Christmas. And uh, lots of fun, lots of family time. Some of you have great families and are enjoying your family time. Sometimes uh, our family can be a burden on us. <laughs> there's a few of those. And uh, there's, a, there's lots of different things in the seasons. Now, the cool thing is, God, all the little things in science make great illustrators of things in the spiritual. So God created all these seasons. And the seasons happen, you know, whether you like them or not. Some kids, they're like praying for snow. Some grandmas are praying no snow. We want it nice and warm. <laughs> so it snows one week and doesn't snow, or it gets cold one week and then it gets warm. It gets cold, it gets warm. Don't know how God is answering those prayers. <laughs> but we get, we get seasons. And even in Texas, we might get a short winter, but we still get winter. We get a very, very long summer. <laughs> so different than the seasons we're in, we also have the seasons, season that the world, uh, different than the seasons that are actually in the physical, our spiritual season doesn't always follow the physical. So um, it could be wintertime and we're happy. It could be summertime and we're miserable. Or uh, we'll be talking about all that stuff. The church as a whole, you know, all the Christian denominations, the church as a whole has a season. If you notice how the worship songs release on the radio, one church gets into a season where they're talking about uh, the love of God and how much God loves us. And then soon all the churches that sing that type of song are singing about how much God loves us. And then... Uh, some churches will jump into like, oh, no, it's warfare time. We're going to fight. And the other churches start getting into warfare time. So there's like a season release across the whole church. Also, our individual churches has its own seasons. So our church, Open Heavens, might be going through something than the church next door. Just something a little bit different. Um, and even in the church, we are in our own seasons that are different than the church. Sometimes the same, sometimes different, and it's off. So the church might be preaching about, uh, I'm trying to think of a good example, uh, the abundant life. And you're like, no, 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 that's not me this season, because <laughs> that's not how I'm feeling. Also, a spouse might or your family could be going through a different season. And God actually designed this this way. God designed it so that there are people that have abundance. There are people that have abundance. Let's say uh, somebody just gets a wave of prophesying, and it's just abundance of prophecy. It's for the other people who need that prophecy so that we are actually sharing as a body. Uh, one of the financial things I saw in Prosperous Soul is uh, a husband might be saying, save, 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 and the wife might be doing spend, 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 spend. Or the opposite. That happens too. 
The reason that is, is so that there's balance. That one person is getting from the Holy Spirit. You know, we need to give to everything. <laughs> and the wife is saying, no, 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 let's not give to everybody. <laughs> we need some ourselves. We need some for our children. <laughs> so our, spirit, our uh, actual seasons get balanced in our family. They get balanced in the church. So this is always a really good message about these. So the sons of Issachar basically had a special understanding to know the times and to know what Israel ought to do. So it is actually important to know what your season is and what you're supposed to be doing in it. Everything that we have in that season is important for the next season and for that whole seasonal year. If, if you skip something or you minimize something, you can actually hinder your harvest at the end. Um, last summer, I watched a really cute garden series. There's this guy who's talking about how to make your little garden really work, how to save your plants. Uh, one of them, they brought in this tree that the shippers damaged a tree. And he's like, no, no, we could save it. We could actually get this tree back. And I learned something special from this. When you prune the tree in the autumn, it hinders growth from that branch. When you prune a tree in the spring, that branch is encouraged to have growth. So when I was uh, working on my yard, the only time I really felt energetic to prune trees was in spring. You know, I get out there, I'm going to prune the trees this year. That way, they will get shaped how I want them to. So I'd shape them exactly how I want it. And then next year, it's like, oh, what is this? <laughs> I just cut that branch off. I don't want it anymore. Now I know what's going on. I pruned the wrong season. I should have done that in the fall, and the ones that I wanted to encourage to, let's say, I wanted the tree to be more up than out, and there's like a branch that's a Y, I should have cut this one in fall and this one in spring, so that it would go up and not out. Um, also, another thing that happens in our seasons is not understanding what season you're in, not understanding what you sh should be doing can actually hinder your actual growth. Think of it this way. We could get actually a critical spirit about our spiritual development. We could become completely annoyed with our life if we don't know what season we're in. We, let's say, let's say somebody's in winter and you're like, I am not bearing fruit. I am not bearing fruit. This is wrong. I, I should be bearing fruit. Well, you can actually squander the harvest you're supposed to get by not stewarding the season you're in. In wintertime, it's not about bearing fruit. Um, when a friend of mine had a little kid, and she made me the godmother, and I got to see him grow, and I got to learn about the child growth. 
I didn't learn as much from my mom because I wasn't listening to her. But I learned from my friend because I was listening to her. And this little kid's important to me. <laughs> so I learned that uh, when you have kids, there is actually an age range of when they're supposed to do everything. When they're supposed to walk, when they're supposed to talk, and when they're supposed to do other activities. And you don't get nervous that they didn't walk as soon as it starts at age range. You, you might applaud them if they get walking, you know, at, you know, really young. You definitely applaud when they potty train early. The concern is when they are outside that range and they're not doing it. But as long as they're growing in that season, they not, may not be walking, but they might be standing. And then after they go to standing, then they go to walking or running. Sometimes they go from standing to running very quickly. And then you get to figure out how to chase them down. Um, another couple things that happens in our seasons, if we don't pay attention to it, is we could get actually holes in our spiritual growth or get malnutritioned in our spiritual growth. The, you actually reap the harvest of previous years and you sow the harvest of future years. So when you start developing bad habits in your seasons, you can actually lead to sin of brokenness, and you can actually disconnect from your local vine. You disconnect from the vine, and it, it's, it's, you know, it starts getting really detrimental. That being said, if you're going through a hard season, it's not disobedience. You did not do anything because you are going through a hard season. Hard seasons are just meant to build extra character so you can sustain a bigger harvest. So if you're going through a hard season, yes, it might be hard. You might need some help. But it's actually so you can sustain what God is about to do. And... Uh, Another cool thing from this is God is actually referred to as our father, not our grandfather. So I know there's some grandparents here, and you love to spoil your grandchildren. You give them things that you would not have done for your kid children. <laughs> um, sometimes parents, and I've heard other parents say, like, yeah, I have to get them back to normal after visiting grandma and grandpa. Because... Mom and dad don't just do things for their kids. They help their kids learn to do things. Um, sometimes moms get frustrated and just go and clean the room for them. But kids have to learn to clean up after themselves. God, as a father, doesn't want to clean up all of our messes. He'll help. He will send angels. He will have the Holy Spirit help you. He will help you clean up your mess. But you still have to actually do your work. I actually noticed this really cool little piece. So this is, this little scripture here is before Adam and Eve ate from the tree. So God took man and put him in the garden to tend and to keep it. So this means Adam wasn't just sitting there eating good fruit and splashing in the brook. 
Adam was actually maintaining a garden. He was working. Adam working was not a curse. Adam was supposed to work. God was teaching Adam to work. Also, uh, let's see something. Yeah. There are some seasons where we want a prophetic word. And we can't get prophesied out of our season. Because when you feel that a prophetic word might propel you forward into the next season, sometimes it just makes you feel icky. You just don't feel like, you know, like, well, that didn't work. It, it, th- there's, there's a challenge there. You can receive prophecy during a, a season that's cool. That, that's perfectly fine. But w- uh, when, you're 20, when you're wanting to change seasons, that's not the time to go chase down prophetic words. There's a difference between receiving and chasing it down. We, unfortunately, unfortunately, because I love some, some of this stuff, I almost brought, I was thinking of Cherie, I almost brought my, stuff, my, my example up here. At, at home, I have this little box where you take this cake mix, you dump it in a coffee cup, you stir in a tablespoon of water, or something like that, you stick it in the microwave, and about a minute or two, you have cake. <laughs> well, you might have cake, but I don't think it actually tastes as good as if when you actually make it. We are in a world of instant. We have instant noodles, instant dinners, instant TV, uh, instant computer games. We are teasing about the old computer games, uh, when I grew up in, I guess it was like 1980s, I had, uh, my computer games came on tape, cassette tape. So for those that don't un- understand this, when you had a cassette tape computer game, you would set up the computer, you would insert the cassette tape, close it, hit play, and it would go into the computer. And then you went and you made yourself a peanut butter sandwich. <laughs> you sat down and you watched maybe a cartoon or a show, like 30 minutes. Then you'd go back to the computer and hope that the game actually loaded correctly and you could play Frogger. <laughs> this is old stuff. A little bit nor you know, we're on computers, now you just click and play. And then you go complain if there's like a slight delay. <laughs> Oh, no, the game's not loading. It's been five seconds. Oh, there it is. (laughs) Sometimes when God gives a promise, it's not next week. Some promises God makes take 20 years. Some promises take 40 years. If you go read in the Bible a little bit, you'll notice how many 40-year-olds started a ministry. Uh, When did uh, Moses leave Egypt and start doing that? He was at least 40, maybe 80. Um, At one point, I was researching Joshua, and I was like, Joshua was a teenager when he was helping all this stuff. I was like, well, he was fighting a battle. Okay, maybe they did young things with teenagers. No, Joshua was about 20, 40. I can't remember the number now because I didn't write it down. But he was older. And then 
when they got to enter the promised land. Forty years later, he's the one that leads them, and he's not a young boy anymore. Caleb wasn't the young boy anymore. And they got, they're the ones that got to lead them into the promised land. So sometimes God's promises take time. So I am going to start where nobody probably will expect. I'm going to start with fall. We just finished fall. Fall's a wonderful time. Um, fall, when you actually read about the Christian life and how wonderful, wonderful Christianity is, we think of fall. We think of abundance and harvest. And at the end of summer, going into fall, there's an extreme amount of busyness. You know, we're just like, oh yeah, it's time to go gather everything. It's time to collect everything. It's time to go do. And we get all the stuff, and then we get to eat. And it's, it's actually a great thing. And fall... Uh, the, the window for harvesting on different crops, different garden things, because sometimes gardens are a little bit earlier than some of our other stuff, there's usually a window time to harvest. If you harvest too early, your, uh, your vegetables or whatever you're harvesting is not mature. If you harvest too late, you get rotten food or stuff that's been really eaten. So after we gather our harvest, we actually have a task. And I'm going to be, well, our first task is to celebrate and give thanks. God has given us a harvest. Praise Jesus. And it's a great time. If we don't celebrate and give thanks, it actually is detrimental to us. Um, next is, our next task is giving. But giving breaks into two groups. Uh, most of us are tithing people, so we say like, oh yeah, 10% to God. 10% of our harvest to God, immediately. It's just no thought in our brain. Uh, God has given us a franchise. And since we are part of his franchise, we actually give the franchise owner his due. Um, I was actually, uh, yeah, I read this in a really good book. Um, <laughs> uh, Chris Vallotton just wrote a book about wealth and riches, and it describes God as the franchise owner. And if anybody's ever actually looked into business where you, like, have your own Starbucks, have your own McDonald's, you are actually paying, you actually pay the corporation for use of their name for this, for this, for this, and then you get the profit afterwards. So God's our franchise owner. And you want to jump into giving to everywhere else, but you need to pause. To the sec you step back, and there's another important piece. It's called saving. If you give everything away, you will not have enough for you. Um, a while ago, David did this message where he had a bunch of cups and he's pouring water all over it. We actually are supposed to minister out of our overflow. What's in the cup is for us. 
and all this other stuff, that's the part we can give and invest and do different things. I'm going to go into, I, I'm taking a class on some stuff, uh, um, a master class for Prosperous Soul. And it actually talks about some stuff in saving. And one of the things when I was actually going through the questions was like, ask God where your fallacy on saving is and giving. What the Lord showed me just kind of hurt a little bit, but it makes sense. You know the story of the ten virgins? Five had enough oil. The other five had to go buy oil and missed. The Lord told me, yes, you're one of the five that saved their oil correctly, but you would be trying to give the other ones some of your oil and not have enough yourself. That kind of hurt a little bit. I'm like, do I try to do that too much? <laughs> we'll discuss that later, God, but we'll, we'll, uh, <laughs> we'll go into that later. But you need to, we need to listen to God on how much we're supposed to keep and how much we're supposed to invest and how much we're supposed to give to different places. Uh, Joseph created a storehouse. And in that storehouse, he saved for seven years. Because he saved for seven years, he saved Egypt from a famine. Because now they had food for the next seven years. And uh, it's also important to give. Not just save, but give. If you are... If you feel that you shouldn't give and Holy Spirit is prompting you to give, you can actually be guilty of having an orphan spirit, of never, thinking you'll never have enough, never have enough, never have enough. It's a fear that hits inside a fall of not having enough, not having enough. Okay, I can't give, I'm not going to have enough. It's one of those things that you get a check on your heart. You're like, oh, okay, yeah, I need to change. So, one of the good things to save in fall is notes. So, I didn't bring a journal up here, but this is a really cool idea as well. You get a jar, and anytime you have something good happen, you write it down and stick it in the jar. You write it down and stick it in a jar. This is saving your testimonies. Another, another minister, uh, or a few other ministers have mentioned something else, where you take a journal and you turn to the back. In the back, you list 100 things you want to do. As you get older, some of those 100 things are a little bit harder to figure out. But, you know, 100 things you want to do. Then you flip to the front of the journal. And you start journaling what God does in your life. And if you're going through a season where you're just not feeling God helping, it could be difficult at first. But after you get about three, you start remembering all the things that God did in your life. And it can actually start being this journal of testimony. Fall time is a wonderful time to do this. Fall time is like... I was praying about a promotion, I got a promotion. I was praying for help with this project, I got help in this project. 
I was, I was out doing this, doing this, doing this, and God came through, and now I have physical proof. You have something to see. You're not relying on just your memory. Because some of our, sometimes the, the uh, sometimes our, mem- actually I'm going to go to this a little bit. Uh, sometimes having a physical memory helps. And I'll be getting to this in a little bit. <laughs> because guess what the next season is? Oops. Uh, let's see what this one is. Our next season is winter. A lot of people find winter very difficult to get through because this season is about waiting on God. So we go from this awesome Christian experience, we cheer about it, we share with everybody, we save, we vest, and suddenly it shifts and we feel like we did something wrong. Wait a minute, God, all of a sudden I can't hear you. God, wait a minute, all this stuff's not working anymore. In the natural, when the trees lose all their leaves, they now go into, uh, they don't spend that energy of producing leaves or maintaining leaves or maintaining fruit or growing fruit. They spend their energy on growing roots. We can't see the trees grow roots. I think somebody told me uh, that when you see a tree that's growing, most of the time, and there's exceptions, most of the time, those that have the tap roots, the tree is twice as deep as it is tall. So some of the exceptions are ones that have ball roots, but that's a completely different root system. But, you know, we are to be growing roots. Um, and sometimes it's difficult to get those roots growing. And it's, you, need, you need help. And this is where family comes in. Um, we don't always, we need to ask for help, but we don't want help because it, it's really hard for us to ask for help. Um, everybody remembers the story about uh, Lazarus being raised from the dead. So Jesus could have come back early enough to heal Lazarus. Jesus waited till Lazarus was stinking. Martha was in one season. And she was like, you need to fix this. And then Jesus got to Mary, and Mary wanted to weep. She wanted to cry. So sometimes in our winter seasons, we need people that could cry with us. Jesus actually cried with Mary, even though he knew what he was going to do next. He stopped and did this with Mary, and then he moved on. We, if somebody doesn't want to cry because, well, they're strong, sometimes we just need people to listen to us. We need people to listen to what we have to say, all of our emotions, our unfiltered voice. Because a lot of times we try to filter it for people. There are times we need to unfilter 
because that's when you actually are telling what's on your what's what's here inside what's hurting you and then we need the person that's listening to empathize without making a lot of commentary and that's the hard part on the family so when you know somebody's going through a winter it's not time to tell them how wonderful everything is for you there's a lot of things you don't want to do with somebody when somebody's going through a winter because it makes them hurt even more. But spending time with them, if they feel like they want to be distracted, then feel, feel free to just help them just get distracted. If they want just somebody to put their arm around, that's the best thing you could do for them. Kind of get an idea of what they want and try to help them where they are. And that community is like the redwoods in California. I was talking about tree roots. Redwoods, redwoods are an exception. Their tree roots grow into a network. And they support each other standing. That's how they can actually deal with the coastal winds. And there's actually some really cool testimony where there was a group of redwoods and there's one in the center that died. You know, a tree died, okay. Not necessarily a big loss to us, but, you know, the tree died. But the group of redwoods around resurrected the tree in the center. This is where you have community. This is where, you know, if somebody needs that, you just get around them and you hold them. Um, two people that are going through winter can, you know, get around. They can have a little party with each other. Sometimes it's useful, sometimes it's not. Sometimes they need somebody in uh, spring or summer. Somebody that's a prayer warrior can, you know, do that, listen to them, give them a few something, and then pray for them because you know that they're praying for you. The thing you actually want to do in wintertime is to get comfortable, uh, to find comfort in God. Now, finding comfort with God is sometimes difficult, and there's a reason. Sometimes the way that God was talking to you the previous seasons is not the way he's talking to you this winter. Um, I have a little kitten, and she's a Siamese, so she's very, very talkative. And um, there are sometimes I figured out what she's saying, you know, what, what she wants. Because it's kind of like a baby crying. You don't know what they want until you try this, this, this. And you're finally like, you know, you need to use your words. I know you don't speak yet, but can you do some sign language? <laughs> if you want food, tell me you want food. So I've actually started doing this with my cat. Because at a certain point, um, when it's food time, I know she wants food. But other times of the day, like if I work at home that day, she'll sit there and go, meow, meow, meow. And she's an opera singer, so she has good residence in the house. You can hear her. And she will sit there and meow constantly. And I'm like, what do you want? Do you want head scratches? Do you want to be loved on? Finally, I got her to do this, that if she meows and licks her lips, she wants treats. Then I say, okay, give me a minute. I go get the treats, put it down, and she's happy. Then she meows again. I'm like, do you want more treats? And she's, meow, meow, okay. You want picked up? Picked her up. Love on her. Okay, sit her back down. <laughs> Sometimes God is looking for a new communication with you. If, 
If God usually speaks to you in that still, calm voice all the time, and suddenly you can't hear it, watch your dreams. Maybe he's speaking you through this. Open up one of the, one of the groups said, okay, go get a Bible, open up to Psalms. Flip through, read every Psalm. When you find the one that hits your heart, that's what God's saying. Because, you know, if you like talking about green pastures, like, oh, no, green pastures is not working with me. Valley of shadow of death, yeah, that, that feels it for me. David uh, talked a lot about his winters in the Psalms. That's a really good place. If, and if we don't get to that point where we are able to get in that comfort zone with God, we can turn to unhealthy tools. Um, in Sozo, we talk, talk in the, not necessarily in the Sozos, but learning Sozo, we talk about unhealthy tools. Uh, we could look at unhealthy tools like um, things like uh, drinking. A drinking could be an unhealthy tool. Okay. Eating could also be an unhealthy tool. You know, instead of going for your vegetables, you go for the chocolate chip cookies. It could be an unhealthy tool. So you're looking for a healthy tool. So that's where you need to start really trying to listen harder and harder for God. Um, if you're in a winter, it's a good time to get a sozo. So it's a good time because it's a, it's a, it gives you a fresh connection to God. Um, some of the parents, some of the spouses might understand this really good that sometimes you could be talking to your spouse, talking to, like, sometimes well, Jason will tell me something and I'm busy, and I just don't hear him. I'm like, and then he comes over and goes, hey, did you hear what I said? I'm like, no, <laughs> it's because I wasn't listening for him. Sometimes parents will experience this with their kids too. Hey, I told you this five times. Oh, <laughs> oops. So sometimes we, we what, what God's saying, we're just not hearing it for whatever reason. So it kind of helps break that barrier of being able to hear what God's been trying to tell you. And you just haven't been, for whatever reason, understanding. Um, remember when I was talking about that journal? Sometimes that journal or that jar of things God has done is gold to you in the wintertime. Because sometimes you need that memory. And in your winter season, your brain kind of doesn't remember too well. Because it is focused on, oh no, where did God go? I don't think he's ever fulfilled a promise. And then you look at the jar and he goes, well, okay, he did some. Then you pull it out and you start reading it. And then you realize, oh, okay, everything's going to be good. Hey, wait a minute, maybe I'm in winter. I just have to get close to God. Um, actually, a couple ministers I listened to said that some of their life messages were developed in winter. The messages that really meant 
meant the most to people were developed in winter. What you could have a secondhand spiritual knowledge, but what you really need is firsthand spiritual knowledge. Um, when I was looking at the life of Saul, uh, not Saul become Paul, but Saul the king, he could jump into a um, he could jump into a prophetic environment and prophesy. He felt prophetic in a prophetic environment. But as soon as he left, it was gone. He had a second-hand relationship, not a first-hand. David had a first-hand relationship with God. So when things get tough, he's like, he'd start complaining about it, and then he'd say, but you are good. You are going to get me through this. You are sending your angels to help me. You are... You know, there's some really cool psalms in there about God riding in on a cloud and just conquering the enemy. It's really neat stuff. And when you get your, it's a good time to um, get through and get started on a Bible. If the Bible feels dead to you, one of the, two of the suggestions I have is get a new translation. Um, if you have you know, you go from one to another. And don't just do King James to non, uh, New King James. That just changes the these and thous. It doesn't actually bring new words to it. But one of the ones I've been enjoying the most right now is passion. It really brings a new, uh, new verbiage to the same thing I've been reading, you know, for most of my life. You know, most people... Um, can quote some King James version of their scripture, but then they're kind of like, yeah, I don't talk that way. When you develop that history with God, when you get in there, you read, you journal about what God is, you start getting, you start getting into the picture that I have. You have your hot, hot cocoa or hot coffee. You have the Bible there. You have the uh, fireplace. You can imagine at some point you will get into where you're snuggled in Father God's arms. You have the living word on your lap. So you have Father, Son, and then you're warmed by the fire of the Holy Spirit. And winter, towards the end of winter, can be the best season of your life. Because it is about rest. It is about getting cozy with God. And once you've got it, you're just like, oh, this is wonderful. It's hard, but it's wonderful because I'm getting fresh manna every day. And also, journal. Get out journal. So what is God saying to you? If you notice the person has their shoes off, they're cozy. They're comfortable. And the important part is that you need to be ready. You need rest. If you start working all the winter, you will actually not have rested. If you start trying to produce fruit, yes, you could go have fun with parties. You could have fun, have Christmas, whatever. But you need rest. Because spring is around the corner. Once you get cozy, you need rest. You need to read, learn, 
listen because spring is coming. Now, I can't remember which grandmother it was, but towards the end of winter, she'd get all excited when the seed catalog came out. She was like, ooh, the seed catalog's here. But guess what? It wasn't spring yet, but she got her seeds. She was looking at like, I need to plant this and this and this and this, and we're going to order it, and we'll have them by spring. Because she was excited because she had a plan. So you take the words God gave you in your winter, and you start planning for spring. So you develop your plan, and it's not haphazard. You know that you need this much for your beans, this much for your tomatoes, this much for your pumpkins, and you know what you're planning on doing. Because the transition from winter to spring is quick. When you get into spring, you are suddenly in a fun season. A different type of fun season. You have to get your work boots on. Because spring is actually short. Anybody that's planted gardens, if you don't get your ground tilled in time, you're not ready to plant. If you don't get it soft enough, if you don't do this and this and this, you have to be ready for what you're going to plant. And different seeds get planted in this like small window of weeks. You know, you have like a week or two to get your vegetables in. You have a week or two to get this in. We have a week or two to get this in. When you're in spring, you get energized. And it seems like everything you touch starts to grow. Everything. You get this special spiritual green thumb. Um, and it's really addictive to try to help everybody else out. This is when you start new ministries. This is when you decide that you're going to do this and do this and do this, and you're going to be involved in this and this and this and this and this. But you need to remember your plan that you had from winter. What did God say to you? Um, okay, my notes and my things don't match, so we'll just do it this way. So one of the important things is to keep your focus. So you have your plan written down from winter. You go into spring and you keep your focus. You plant, you water, and you help others. You can help others, just you need to make sure that you don't forget to do your own. So anybody that's flown on an airplane has probably seen this picture. They say, put on your oxygen mask and then you help the person next to you. Because if they pass out in that few seconds, or you pass out in that few seconds, you're trying to struggle with their mask because they're wiggling, you'll pass out and they won't get help either. If you put your mask on, you can get to them. And you can help them quicker than you can help just, you know, the other way. So this one really speaks to that. This is the beginning where the bride is explaining to Jesus why her vineyard doesn't look nice. 
she got appointed by her brothers, the church member, to help all the other ministries and not hers. I was busy with all this stuff, and I did not get, my ministry is not looking good. That's, you know, that was her excuse to Jesus. And he said, okay, I understand. We need to work on yours. You need to help yours. So we, spring is the time, and I, want, I just want to show a hands. How many people have had an idea to start writing a book? Just write something. You're just like, ooh, I should write that book. And you might get one paragraph done. Or you might get more. But you get the idea. Some people get inventions in their head. They're like, oh, you know, we need a device that does this. And you're like, but, eh, oh well. And then a month later you see it on TV. Like, where was that a month ago? Well, somebody else also had the same idea. Um, you get that new growth. And if you don't jump on it, that's planting your vineyard and jump on it, you, um, you fall into a different, the next season. So I'll, I'll show you the next season of Hair Brings Lit. But you get, that, you get that energy for that new book. You get the energy for lots of new projects. And you have to choose which ones were the, God, one, which ones, were the ones that God started. Which one did God want us me to do? Which brings us to our next season. So we get our plants planted, we get them watered, and we start seeing little bitty, uh, little bitty uh, buds coming up out of the ground, out of the ground. And guess what? It's summer. So this is what a lot of the world sees summer as: time to go to the beach, time to relax, time to have fun, time to get some Z's. So anybody that's had a garden knows that what happens if you get your garden started and then you see the buds and you're like, cool, God will take care of the rest. I'm going to go relax. Um, we know exactly what happens. We get lots of weeds. We get lots of pests. And our harvest is not what you expected. Summer actually looks a little bit more like this. Um, a book example is that you get the idea, you feel it's inspired. You might write down like a, if it's a novel or a, a, a fiction or something, you, you write down like your, your plot. You write down a handful of points. And then all of a sudden, there's nothing. Or you have an idea, and you're like, okay, I should write that. And then you open Microsoft Word or whatever word processor, and you just stare at this blank screen. You're like, uh, what do I do now? <laughs> or like me, and Paula's not, 
Paul is teaching, so she's not going to be able to testify to this, but some other people might be able to testify. I have tubs of projects. I had a great idea to make a dress. I got partway through it, and I'm like, no, I'm not feeling it anymore. Pull the dress up, stuff it in a tub. I do that with art. I have stuff I've started, and I'm just like, I'm not feeling it. Okay, it goes in the rack. <laughs> or I will start something and mess it up a little bit, and I'm just like, yeah, I'm done with it. If you notice, I didn't paint today. I broke my painting. Not break it, but the paper teared on me when I was fix, trying to fix something. And I was like, yeah, that, that didn't work. And I'm not going to stay up to midnight try to uh, do art and speak. <laughs> That's just not going to happen today. Um, also in, uh, what is it called? In school, you can notice this too. So the beginning of the semester starts, you get a pile of books. This is your reading. You get the syllabus. The teacher suggests that you read this much each week. And at the end, you're supposed to do a paper on all the stuff you read. So your diligent student will sit there and try to read and take notes for that paper at the end. A lot of students, especially when I was helping do tutoring and stuff, they get partway through and they're just like, I'm going to take this week off. Especially college. College is like, yeah, we'll just take the week off. We'll be good. We'll just do twice as much next week. And then next week you're like, you know, I could do three times next week. <laughs> uh, your harvest at the end when you're trying to write that paper, rushed, skimming through the books, is usually not as good as if you actually diligently went through the book. So the getting the books, getting the paper, that's spring. You're energetic. You're like, oh, yeah, this is good. I'm going to do good. I'm going to get good grades. And then if you don't do good in summer, your harvest is maybe a C. If you do you summer well, you're harvesting A or B. Um, there's a handful of things. This is one of the stories that I heard that I thought was wonderful. The Lord God doesn't want you just to get rid of bad things. We understand the logic of God saying, these are bad for you, don't do it. And this is transitioning from spring to summer to fall. Um, sometimes God wants you to get rid of good things. You're like, ooh, ouch, in this story that I'm going to tell is going to describe it really good. This lady was a part of a community garden. She was a pastor, and she was telling the story, and I was like, oh, yeah, I have to find that. Look for pumpkin pictures. Um, they started late, so they, the only crop that they could really do at the time was pumpkins. They're like, okay, we'll get big, giant pumpkins. I want big pumpkins, not little pumpkins, big pumpkins. Okay. So they asked the experts, like, how do I get good pumpkins? They said, okay, so you go and you make your pumpkin mounds and you plant six seeds and then you water. That's your work day for that day. So they tilled the ground, they mount, made their mounds, they planted six seeds, watered everything, and they waited till the next work day. The next work day, they started getting the sprouts. So you, you went from 
uh, spring to the beginning of summer. And then, okay, experts, what do we do now? Well, you need to take out of the ground four of your sprouts. Four? I only have two. Yeah, I know. You take, you want to keep two, you have to take out four. Okay, but they're all healthy. They're all good seeds. They're all good plants. They're, they're, they're cute. I, 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 so the person, the pastor on the question, went and she'd go to a mound and she'd pick out the small one, okay? And then she'd pick out the next smallest one. And then she'd look at the rest and she's like, I can't do any more. And then she'd go to the next mound. <laughs> Her other people who were there said, came back and said, hey, you're not doing what they told us to do. They, if you do this, you're going to get small pumpkins, not big pumpkins. So she's like, okay, I have to go down to two. Now, this has actually impacted me. It probably impacts other people. I have certain ministries in this church I'm a part of. I'm a part of worship and art. I tie those together. I'm a part of the healing rooms. I'm a part of the children's ministry. Now, there's other ways I serve. But there are certain ones that God has said, okay, these are the ones you are to do. If you try to do another one, you don't, won't do well in the others. So like the spring where you choose what you're going to focus and then help others later, that's cool. So I could do these 